Hi, I'm James McGuire, and on today's eSpeaks, we're talking about data automation, automating data flow throughout a company, in particular, automating data pipelines, which is essential for enterprise-level artificial intelligence. To discuss that, I'm joined by someone very close to the topic. With me is Sean Knapp, CEO and founder of Ascend.io. Sean, uh, happy Friday to you. Very good to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, James. You know, I'm sure there are many people who are familiar with Ascend. Uh, for those who aren't, please give us kind of the, the, the very brief elevator pitch. What, what does Ascend do? Ascend provides a, a high-end level of automation for creating data pipelines. And in particular, whether you're creating advanced analytics, machine learning, generative AI systems, all of these are built on and fed by data pipelines. So as organizations invest more and more in these various initiatives, they turn to Ascend to greater automate those. So they run faster, more efficiently, and more reliably than they were before. Makes perfect sense. And, and indeed, no doubt there is, there's a market for that. Um, let's talk about the, the automating, uh, the automating of, of, of data pipelines. What exactly does it mean for companies? I mean, what, what are the challenges here? Is it, is it you know, laying the, the networking? Is it, what, what, what is hard about this for companies? Great question. So what we've seen over the course of the last, call it 10 to 15 years, the new, the, the nature of scaling has actually changed pretty dramatically. You know, 10 years ago, when you asked most CIOs and CTOs, the biggest challenge they had when it came to data, it was how do I store enough data? How do I process enough data? Right. And, you know, fast forward a decade, and companies of the likes of Snowflake and Databricks have done an amazing job of, of taking those challenges off the table. Mm -hmm. So now what we see is a, a fundamentally new uh, set of challenges. There, there's still a challenge in how do you scale what you're doing with data, but it's actually very different than scaling the bits and bytes or the, the number of records or data sets. Now it's we've enabled 10 times, in many cases, even 100 times as many people to do things with data. Mm -hmm. And data, just like everything else in our world, has a, a life cycle. It, it starts with a bunch of raw data, it gets refined, it gets merged and unified with other data sets that eventually produce data products that go and feed the business and, and other uh, organizations and other teams. Mm -hmm. And what we find is across this life cycle, that entire life cycle gets increasingly complex. And if we take right. 10 to 100 times as many people building data things, if you will. Apps, and tools, reports. Exactly. Sure. And they all start building on top of each other. We get this just exponential explosion in complexity, not in the volume of data per se, but in the number of data products and data systems and the interconnectedness across these organizations. And now as data becomes the lifeblood for most organizations, that's a material risk to have an increasingly complex yet brittle architecture and design around how data is moving through your organization. And that's usually the, the prime point and opportunity to turn to automation uh, to better solve for how do you manage and run these systems at really large scale and complexity. You know, listening to you, I'm, I'm really struck that, um, you know, back, back before ChatGPT was introduced in November of 2022, I mean, that caused obviously this mania about artificial intelligence, but before that, AI was certainly around. The big thing in 2022 was data analytics. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone needed to get it set up. Many people had gotten it set up, but you talk about all the challenges and how important it is and all the things that people do with data, whether it's building apps or, or tools or reports. 
And of course, data is obviously the, the lifeblood of artificial intelligence. It goes nowhere without a well-regulated and understood data repository. But I'm not even sure people companies have the data part down yet, much less the AI part. I realize I'm a little I'm off topic here, but it's just it struck <laughs> that, that, that data, setting up data is still as important as it was back before AI began to suck all the oxygen from the room. Uh, and yeah, I'm not even sure that the, the companies have the data game down yet. I think I think most don't. Uh, yeah, in in right. all fairness, and, and I think yes. that's okay. I, I I think you know we all, as part of the industry, are all very excited about generative AI. I personally <laughs> am. I professionally am. Sure. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a very exciting 2024 uh, and and beyond. Uh, right. And I think the what I, I anticipate we're going to see going into 2024 is it the interest and excitement around generative AI has done two things, I think, that are really, really important. Mm. The first thing is it has opened up, I think, a lot of investment channels right. for people to truly innovate and invest. Uh, the second thing that I think it has really done is it has honed people's focus around where do we need to deploy our resources and when we think about generative AI, that at the end applications, closer to the business, closer to the consumer, closer to, to creating a value. And what's happening then as a result, that at least from Ascend's perspective is, mm -hmm. uh, from our vantage point, I should say, is we're seeing a ton of companies say, gosh, we need to solve all this data pipelining and data platforming problem. Right. And we right. can't just, we can't take, you know, a quarter of our IT organization say, go build this new platform or this new, you know, uh, backbone, because we got to get all of our resources, our best and brightest on the end application. So what are the standardized approaches we can take to this? And the reason why I think that is really hitting a, a peak level of, of urgency for organizations, you know, we do an annual survey, completely blind, anonymous survey through an independent uh, third party. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we uh, have found over the last year is this tremendous interest in the category of automation. And yes. I, you know, oftentimes I, I talk about the you know there's big AI and little AI, and, and you know hmm. automation is sort of the little sibling to artificial intelligence. Right. But the the reason why I think this is, is so important is as organizations are looking to get leverage, they need to better automate. And what we've seen is through this survey less than 10%, I believe it was uh, just about 8% of organizations today say they have automation in place. Every mm. organization is a data company, a data organization, but only 8% say they actually have true automation in place. It's, Yet, it's an astounding statistic. It, say, it says really companies amazing. are lagging behind what they need to be doing with data. Yep, exactly. And, and the, the really exciting part of it too was 80% or more said they intended on investing in automation in the next 12 months. Mm. So when we see that discrepancy between 8% of uh, people have this true form automation, yet 80%, 10 times as many want it and intend on doing something about it in the next year, right. I think signals this incredible need to, hey, we got to get all of this uh, backbone and automation in place so we can really get to delivering significant business value around machine learning, AI, advanced analytics. Well, all right. So then, the, the so the challenges are, are clear, clear. I mean, the, so the, the question is, how do you recommend companies address these challenges? Specifically, 
how do, how do many of these companies that are really not ready take either way to step one or maybe just step two or three? How, wh where should they move them? How, how should they move themselves forward? Yeah, I, I think it's a, a great question. And I do think it's a challenge for a number of organizations. Um, the first thing I, I would uh, absolutely recommend, and I would do this for most organizations, uh, regardless of small or large, is to take an iterative approach. And the reason why I think the iterative approach matters and not any classic technology approach of build in incremental layers, but rather build to solve distinct, unique business cases mm -hmm. uh, with uh, this new approach and expand it more horizontally throughout the organization. And the reason why I recommend that is oftentimes we see, especially really large organizations during uh, periods such as this, take a step back and say, we're going to re-architect a lot of how we do what we do. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the the scary part about that is those initiatives always take two, three, four, even five years to really see the light of day, mm -hmm. if well executed. Our world is going to look dramatically different in just two years from what right. it is today. Right, that's and, true. And so taking a, a holistic re-architectural approach, I think it is of a high risk, greater uh, risk than it has been in previous years. And so that's one of the reasons why I do recommend organizations take an incremental approach, but do it to create specific business value. So grab a particular team or a particular BU, grab a particular business case that creates value uh -huh. and take a rapid uh, de uh, development and deployment strategy to delivering that business value and getting points up on the board for the business. Let me make sure I understand it. You're saying there's actually a risk in taking a holistic strategy and then instead an incremental strategy is better than, than the holistic strategy. Yeah, I think so. In the you know, one of Ascend has this uh, one of our core values as a company is build for 10x, plan for 100x, and so lean on on an understanding of where you want to go. Understand your holistic strategy, uh, and I think this applies not just to Ascend but any company out there. Right. But I think the rate of change is going to be so large that or so fast that what ends up happening for a lot of organizations, if you take a holistic re-architect and then we're going to rebuild for the entire company. Those initiatives can take so long that by the time you really get done with just the core platform and the architecture, especially if you're trying to build a ton in-house, right. the entire world will have changed by the time yeah. you get your first project live. And right. I think that's right. the that's in many ways the old data lake strategy that we saw a lot of companies try and uh, drive, which was, well, we got to get all of our data into one spot. By the time you figured out like how to get most of your data in one spot, all these other, you know, <laughs> data pockets had started to emerge. And so you start to chase them down and, and, and it becomes right. really hard to, to execute too. Hmm. And so I think we've learned our lessons from previous eras in data and that our industry just moves too fast. Right. And so we got to get wins put up on the board for any data team and get projects live, creating value for our end customers and consumers and, and work iteratively through the, the broader parts of the organization as a result. Yeah, I, I like the sound of that. Wins up on the board, especially in, in the worlds of, of data and AI, because I mean, it does move so quickly. Having a win up, win up on the board does make a big difference. Um, you've said that uh, companies that don't have a sophisticated enough automation to, to power AI will start to feel the burn. Let's take a look at that statement. Are, are you saying, in other words, they'll, they'll simply fall behind competitively? What, 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 did, what do you exactly mean by that? Yeah, to, you know, to me, in many ways, it's... It, similar to watching organizations who were slower to adopt cloud. And as a result, they lost access to 
uh, surge capacity for computational power. They lost access to some of the most advanced technologies that were cloud first. And so when we think about these macro evolutionary cycles uh, around not just uh, data, but cloud infrastructure and software, mm-hmm. when, we, when we see this move and this need to invest uh, more and more in AI, uh, a lot of that requires having high reliability, high performing underlying systems that feed that AI. And if we end up with uh, more brittle or more fragile upstream systems, uh, we're going to find that most organizations are putting disproportionate resources, actual you know, man and woman hours on building and maintaining those systems, mm-hmm. as opposed to which are, are a necessary part of the life cycle, but are not where the value is extracted. Uh, for right. the business. Right. And so the we need to continue to do a shift right motion of resources and investments to get people to shift all their focus to closer and closer to the business value itself. And gotcha. to okay. me, it's it reminds me a lot of watching teams, you know, where you know, large teams still racking and stacking hardware trying to build out their hosting infrastructure when their competitors were swiping credit cards for Amazon EC2 and quickly deploying to new regions and geographically expanding. I I think we're seeing the same macro patterns play out. Hmm. All right, well, let's drill down to Ascend itself. Um, How is Ascend addressing the the data pipeline needs of of its clients? What what, what specifically do you do? How how does that work for companies? Yeah, the, the way that Ascend addresses the data pipeline and automation needs of our customers, we, we do two things really, really well at Ascend. One is we pull together the capabilities required to build data pipelines. Everything from data ingest to transformation to orchestration, we give organizations a a unified interface. Mm -hmm. And whether they have analytics engineers writing in SQL or uh, data engineers writing in Python, we take this whole unified experience and a single pane of glass uh, for both small and really large organizations. And we give them that unified set of capabilities. Mm-hmm. No complex integrations required across other tools in the ecosystem. It, it all works as a really tightly integrated system. So that's the first part. The second incredible advantage that we get is once you have this tightly integrated system, the ability to better automate uh, goes up uh, dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so the ability to track the life cycle of data, the lineage of data, to track code changes and the effects of those code changes and the cost on the pipeline, the resources consumed, um, who's making changes to what piece of data and where that's being published and used later. Mm-hmm. All of these uh, elements that you classically had to, to go write tremendous amounts of software for and throw far more manpower at doing, once it's tightly integrated, now we have this ability to so greatly automate and alleviate the uh, time to build, as well as actually the resources required to maintain uh, data pipelines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think the, the big question is the future, uh, the future of, of data pipeline automation. Obviously, it's going to be a really rapidly growing sector. What do you see looking, oh, one, two, three years out? What, what will this market look like in, say, 2026, 20, 2027? I'm really excited about what the data pipeline and, and data automation landscape looks like in the next few years. You know, the I think we are going to see a tremendous ability twofold with generative AI. Uh, of course, we're going to be able to uh, create far more powerful and advanced AI models, but we're also going to actually see a lot more AI take place as part of how these systems run. Hmm. As I mentioned uh, a little bit before, which was 
we are able to track and collect so much data as part of these tightly integrated automated systems, mm -hmm. the ability to increasingly provide really advanced AI around how is your data moving through the organization? What are the cost optimization uh, capabilities we have? Who's tapping into what piece of data? Should they actually be trying to tap into the same piece of data? Mm -hmm. A lot of these things that we have historically thrown large IT organizations at or really um, large uh, governance efforts at end up becoming really prime uh, opportunities for automation and AI to give organizations far greater scale, uh, far greater security and uh, durability around their data itself. Uh, and I think ultimately we're going to see that the, the amount that a single individual can accomplish and achieve and, and how much they can really impact uh, the business is going to go up exponentially because of the the next wave of technology really mm -hmm. bringing greater uh, automation and, and AI capabilities to those those builders. Hmm. Sean, I think you said it. Um, fascinating stuff. I learned a ton. Um, thank you for sharing your expertise today. And, and please do come back and talk with us again sometime. Would love to. Thanks so much, James.